Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Good evening, Rush Nation. My name is Hannah and I am your host for this week on the Five Yard Dynasty Show. And this evening I am joined by an awesome guest he is part of my other family the fantasy wildcard and he of course is one of the co-hosts from the fantasy wildcard dynasty show tonight i'm being joined by the fantastic ali at ff dynasty grill how are you ali and how's it going yeah really good thank you hannah it seems like five minutes ago we were chatting on our show a couple of days ago so looking forward to that going out and yeah doing really good it's an exciting time of the season isn't it where the pre-season started we've already seen some rookies in action and that and we're ramping up for the the main event the the normal season the regular season just can't wait to get going and excited for our show tonight how you doing Hannah? Yeah I'm good thank you and I totally agree Ali it's that kind of time of year isn't it where things start kind of bubbling up people see things from training camp or pre-season and they get really excited and they think oh this rookie that I drafted or who I thought was better than everyone else is looking really good but obviously the proof is in the pudding and we're about to find out as we get into September. So Ali, I've brought you on this week. You're starting our kind of division discussion kind of series. Um, and I thought you would be a good first guest to have because we do have the AFC and the NFC East, but we've also got the NFC South, which I did choose especially for you, Ali, because I know you are a books fan. So I'm sure you're going to give us some great insights there and uh, let us know what you think. Basically, we're looking at each team, 
and we're picking one player from these divisions that I think are worthy for discussion, you know, whether we think that their value is gaining, falling, or what we kind of want to do with them if they're on our teams or whether we want to acquire them for our teams or not. Shall we start with the AFC East, Ali? And I think with that, we have to look at the reigning champions, and that is the Buffalo Bills. The one player that I was kind of particularly interested to chat to you about was... Gabe Davis. So before the 2022 season, obviously we had this really big hype. He'd had that playoff game where he'd caught four touchdowns. Everyone thought he was going to be the next thing. He was going to step up and be this wide receiver two on the team. And his ADP, according to DLF, was wide receiver 27. Then last season, you know, he didn't really quite live up to the hype. He was injured um, and that brought his ADP crashing right down to a low of wide receiver 54. Now, slowly, things have kind of started to creep up again. I think people have realised that they're not going to bring someone in like DeAndre Hopkins. Gabe is likely to remain the wide receiver two on this team. And I think people are potentially thinking that he might maybe show something. So his current ADP is wide receiver 45. So I'm actually really interested to your thoughts on some of these recent trades for him. Some people have got Gabe Davis for Antonio Gibson. Some have got him for a direct trade for Jimmy G and some have got him for a 24 third round pick. So what I'm really interested in, Ali, is do you have any interest in Gabe Davis and would you be buying him for this price or are you totally out at this point? I think as a whole, the the dynasty committee, when you look at the wide receivers, we've really grown pretty wise this season or this off season because there's so many that I thought last season were either ranked too high, i.e. Gabe Davis, people like Jameson Williams, who wasn't going to see the field and really struggled. But then they've really sort of fallen back into where I think is a decent and fair price for for these players. So Gabe Davis at wide receiver 45 is probably probably not a price that I'm going to be going out and actively buying Gabe Davis. But if he falls to me around about there and the, the offer's fair, which I think in these three scenarios it's it's pretty fair to be honest. Um, they're really equal trades. Probably not actively buying, but I think it's a fair ADP. I don't think I'd be selling at wide receiver 45 because I think the situation that he's in, the age that he is, I think that you can definitely sell in season for higher than wide receiver 45. You can get much more for him. But then I do look around the the ADP and the rankings of wide receiver 45, sort of between 40 and 50, and there's there's a few people that I'd rather take over Gabe Davis, if I'm honest. As you mentioned, he's someone that can score four touchdowns in a game and win you a week. But then he can also help lose you a week if he's in your starting spots because he disappears. So people like Tyler Lockett, a lot of people are writing him off. I think I'd rather him than Gabe Davis and I think he's going one spot below him. And then a bit people a bit younger like Marvin Mims, Rashad Bateman, they're all in that ballpark for me at wide receiver 45. And perhaps I'd prefer them over Gabe Davis but honestly you can't deny again the opportunity that he's got with the Bills this year they as you mentioned they didn't bring in DeAndre Hopkins they've still got Stefan Diggs but he doesn't seem like he's the happiest person in the world right now there's sort of a weird thing going on with him during the offseason so you can't deny it Gabe Davis looks to have a really big role an integral role for the Bills this year and that they're obviously going to push for um, a Super Bowl I think they're going to be right up there again it just means it just means he has to make it stick this year because you've got obviously Dalton Kincaid on a, on a rookie deal 
it'll be his first year. I can imagine he'll be slowly introduced. But there'll be a lot resting on Gabe Davis if the Bills are going to go far. I think Gabe Davis needs to take him there. So he needs to be more consistent. And we might see it. Wide receiver 45, I think, going back to my motto, I'd like to have one share because we've seen what he can do. But he just lets you down so often. He'll, he'll follow up with a couple of dud weeks. So he's a really frustrating player to own. But um, perhaps if you've got Josh Allen and have that that cheap stack, if you don't want to pair him with Diggs or you can't afford to pair him with Diggs, perhaps Gabe Davis is the way to go for, for this season. So, yeah, I don't mind Gabe Davis. I think that, that price is fair. I wouldn't be actively buying, but I also wouldn't be selling at that price because I think there is scope for him to move possibly a little bit higher. What are your feelings on, on Gabe Davis? On the whole, I think I probably agree with you there. Look at, at wide receiver 45. I actually don't think that's too bad at all at this point. Like you say, you know, last season he had a disappointing season. He's never really shown us enough, apart from those odd spike weeks, I don't think, for him to be any higher than that. But I also think there are still some Gabe Davis truthers out there. And I think I would be doing exactly the same as you, Ali, if I had him on my team and I was thinking, oh, I'm not really massively keen on him I would wait till in season when he has one of those kind of boom weeks which he probably will have at some point find your Gabe Davis truther and be like oh look you were right would you like him Mm -hmm. and see if you can sell him for some sort of profit I do think obviously more and more people are now playing these dynasty best ball leagues and I think he's probably more suitable for those kind of teams where obviously he'll get in your lineup on those kind of boom weeks but he's not going to hurt your team on the bust weeks because he'll be sat on your bench so if I had a a best ball team I'd probably certainly be more interested on having him on there but I agree with you he he's going to be tough to know when best to put in lineups and when not and that always makes these kind of players quite infuriating doesn't it um so best ball I'm definitely in him uh, into him a bit more kind of normal um redraft type dynasty leagues then um probably less keen and like you say if he's around there Tyler Lockett's gone you know and and he's kind of value on the board on a startup then I'll take him if not I'm not too fussed so shall we look at um kind of the next player I'd like to discuss and we're going to move to uh, the Miami Dolphins now this is a guy that I think you probably expect us to talk about and that's obviously Tua he was actually off to a really promising start in, in 2022. You know, that offense looked kind of really on fire and, and quite explosive. Um, and he was kind of one of the main catalysts for that, getting the ball out to those two fantastic receivers. But then obviously we know he got those multiple concussions and that derailed his season. So really my my interest of what I want to hear from you, Ali, is what, what are your thoughts on Tua? He's currently um, about around QB12 in ADP. Um, and is he someone that potentially you're buying now or is he too risky at this time? And you just want to kind of leave well alone and see what happens over the course of this season. Yeah, I, I really do like to uh, start with there. I think quarterback 12, I think, again, it's it's fair like Gabe Davis's price. I think I've personally got him a couple of spots lower. I think I've got... Um, the rookies, the rookie quarterbacks, Bryce Young and CJ Stroud ahead of him just because of that risk that you've mentioned. Obviously, last year, points per game and, and when he was in the offense, it looked it looked incredible, the games that he was in. But obviously, he is clearly elevated because of the two weapons that he's got in, in Waddle and Tyreek Hill. If, if he didn't have them weapons, he'd be 
nowhere near a quarterback one in terms of dynasty. Um, I do really like him in terms of a rookie profile. I actually had him slightly ahead of Joe Burrow coming out, so I'm always going to root for Tua. It's not uh, <laughs> speaking no, to the wrong person here, clearly. Say, we can't be having that. <laughs> Um, I'm obviously going to root for Tua. I really want him to succeed, but there's clearly risk there. If if he picks up a, a concussion, I hate to say it, early on in the season, there's going to be more question marks around can he carry on um, if he takes some, some big hits. Hopefully it's not going to be the case. And I think if you've got Tua, if you're a team that is competing, I think he's a perfect quarterback too. I think him, I've got him in a bucket with Dak Prescott and Daniel Jones. There's three quarterbacks that, if I'm competing, I really want them as my quarterback too because they can perform week in, week out as a quarterback one. They can fall in as a low quarterback one and and help win me championships. And I'm not paying the elite price of of a top top six or seven quarterback. Um, but yeah, there is certainly risk. I, I really like Tua. Um, I'm absolutely rooting for him. I think as long as he can stay healthy in this offense, is going to absolutely click. I think it's going to be the same as we saw last season. They obviously drafted the, the runner back Devon, Devon A-Chain, which is just even more speed on the offense, which is going to be terrifying for, for teams to come up against. They're going to be a, re- a really exciting team to watch. But in terms of Dynasty, I think quarterback 12 is fair again. I'm probably not actively buying at quarterback 12 because there is a risk there and I'd probably prefer to buy maybe a Daniel Jones. That's probably going to cost me cheaper than, than Tua, but I know what I'm going to get from Daniel Jones for the next couple of years. Um but yeah, if, if you want to shoot for the ceiling, go for Tua because you've got at least two years with with Tyreek Kill and, and obviously Jalen Waddle there that are going to perform at elite level where you're going to have Tua as a as a low quarterback one. And that's exactly all you can ask for him at this this ADP. So there is risk. But yeah, I wouldn't be selling him. I think it's going to be a bit of a wild ride, but you're going to get um, the most out of him at, at quarterback 12. Is he one where you would consider, let's say, that you think you're a contender beginning of the season, you're like, great, I've got two as my QB2, and then, you know, one of your main or a couple of your main players go down and you think, right, that's my season over. If things are kind of going well on the Dolphins, he's he's uh-huh. staying healthy, would you then consider selling him, you know, a few weeks in and trying to get what you can from him? Or would you want to try and risk riding him and keeping him potentially as a cornerstone if he stays healthy? Yeah, so... Uh- and move that I've actually made about probably about a month ago now was I traded him straight up for Kyler Murray and that was for a team I wasn't wasn't competing in but along the same lines of what you just said there if you're perhaps you thought you were you were going to compete for this season and perhaps your one and four doesn't quite work out at the start of the season I think there's every chance you can trade him for someone like a Kyler Murray this perhaps an injured quarterback much safer pick, I think, in Kyle Murray. Obviously, there's it's all up in the air about what's going to happen at the Cardinals come the end of the season if they get the number one pick. Um, but Kyle Murray is going to be a quarterback as soon as he sees the field. He's a top ten option with top f- top five upside. So that's the sort of move I'd like to make is get rid of that risk. Um, I certainly don't want a lot of shares of Tua, but I want a couple because of how explosive this offense can be. But I don't think you want. 50% exposure to, to Tua because it can go so badly wrong. We've seen with, with Andrew Luck, how he had to retire early on. And obviously Tua, after last season, there was rumours that he contemplated retiring. Um, but obviously he's back now and it's looking it's looking exciting again. But you don't want too big exposure, I'd say, to, to Tua. 
Yeah, I don't think I could could argue with that at all. Um, just a really another quick kind of sub question, um, and I'm kind of bringing this out of the blue alley, so um, you it. might not be prepared for it. But if Tua goes down in the middle of this season, and obviously they end up having to play Skylar Thompson, I don't even know who else they've got. Oh, Mike White, haven't they? Mike yeah. White and Skylar Thompson for the rest of the season. What are your thoughts in terms of a Tyreek Hill and a Jalen Waddle? Because obviously then the risk we have is that, let's say he plays six games and they win them, then you know he goes down and they manage to win another one or two. So they're not actually anywhere where they can get a QB, but they also don't really have a viable longer-term QB option on, on the roster. Do you have concerns for Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle then at that point? Or do you think that actually they're talented enough that we can probably ride out this season and they'll find someone, you know, I guess it could mm -hmm. be a Kirk Cousins or a Kyler if, you know, that they managed to get Caleb Williams or whatever that might be. Or a Tom Brady coming out of retirement. Yeah. That's I true. Think, I, I think that the, the, um, the head coach there is absolutely fantastic. I think he's top five in the NFL. I think they would find a way to get, a quarterback coming in there as you mentioned you've got Kirk Cousins uncertain about his future next year I think the Dolphins are ready to go all in so if it doesn't work out with with Tua this year then I think that they can they can easily move on from him and get someone else in one of these veterans that will come in and it's only got to be a half competent quarterback because let's just face it Tua is he's not amazing he has played as well as I, I probably thought he was going to play but um, perhaps perhaps not fulfilled his potential yet I think they can bring in someone like a Derek Carr like a um a Kirk Cousins that can fill that role just as well we've seen plenty of times where Tua has underthrown Tyreek Hill should be saying Tyreek Hill makes it look like a really good throw but really we know it's not the best throw um it's certainly not Patrick Mahomes but but yeah I think that that offense will be fine and them two weapons will be fine yeah, yeah, I think you make great points there. So I'd like to stick with the QB theme here, move on to our next uh, team, and that is the New York Jets. Of course, they brought in their new QB this offseason, Aaron Rodgers, and they're loving telling everyone about it, particularly on Hard Knocks. Um, and obviously, you know, historically, when Tom Brady was still playing, he was often touted by a lot of analysts as kind of a cheap win now piece, you know, for the last few years that he was playing. You know, if you're a contender, potentially you can grab him really cheaply and he can be, you know, a comfortable QB2 that will likely have multiple QB1 weeks. Now, we know Aaron Rodgers, he has contemplated retirement for a number of seasons now, so he is getting towards the end. But he did have quite a rough season last year. So do you think he's going to bounce back um, on this kind of youthful and peppy Jets team? And if you've got a contending team, are you buying him or are you steering well clear at the moment? Um, I wouldn't say I'm steering well clear, but I think his ADP is going to continue to rise as we approach the season, as we see more hard knocks. We obviously just had the Dalvin Cook signing, so um, it's pretty much a poor version of the Buccaneers, Tom Brady era. That's, that's how I'm putting it there. Um, they're, they're clearly going all in. They've got the defence they think to, to do it. They've got some offensive pieces. They've obviously given him his old weapons back from the Green Bay days. So Rodgers, I think, is going to fit seam seamlessly in there. They've got um, his old OC. They've got they've got a lot of pieces that are familiar to, um, to Aaron Rodgers. So I think, personally, he's going to 
hit the ground running, which is good for anyone that's buying into him this off season. Personally, I'm not I'm not putting too much stock into to Aaron Rodgers. I think personally, he's there to to clearly just win a Super Bowl for the New York Jets, whether it's him throwing 50 touchdowns or him throwing 28 touchdowns, but limiting the the mistakes and just managing the game because their defense was that special look great last year they almost got themselves in in playoff contention last year and look at who the quarterbacks were last year for the Jets so Aaron Rodgers doesn't really need to do too much he just needs to limit the mistakes and his experience enough to know how to to win games so I think we're not going to see a massive se- season for Aaron Rodgers the only really exception where I probably would want Aaron Rodgers if I'm a contender if I haven't I feel like I haven't got that established quarterback too. Um, but I have got Garrett Wilson in my team because I do think that's going to be a pretty special link up between the two this season where the overall wide receiver one could be in the realms of possibility for Garrett Wilson. Um, in terms of Aaron Rodgers, I think he can probably be a top 10 quarterback, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't push him anywhere near the top seven or eight. Perhaps a, a low quarterback one will be where his ceiling is. I think you're not going to get much rushing from Aaron Rodgers, although he has slimmed down. He looks in really great shape, but I don't think he's there to do that. Obviously, they've they've now got Dalvin Cook. They've got Brees, um, Brees Hall coming off the, the pup today. So, um, yeah, this offense is going to look great, but I don't think Aaron Rodgers is in for a special season. I think he's there to, to manage the game, and they're going to win the game by running the ball and and their defense at the end of the day. Um, I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to work, but in terms of fantasy... Um, it's not going to win you championships. So if you were that contender, would you be looking to to target, like you said before, someone like a Daniel Jones, a Dak Prescott over over Aaron Rodgers here? And, and then I guess you'll also have a bit more longe- longevity with those as well um, yep. for your team rather than, you know, every off-season we get this drama, Aaron Rodgers is going to retire, he isn't. He says next off-season he isn't, but if he has a bad season, I won't be surprised if he once again threatens to do that. But yeah, again, Ali, I can't kind of argue with you there, really. I think one of the reasons that Tom Brady was such a great asset to, asset towards the end was that the books threw the ball just so much that, it, you know, that volume that he was having, you know, made that massive difference and kept him as a regular kind of QB1, whereas, like you say, they've got Brees Hall, they've got Dalvin Cook, they're not going to be throwing the ball a million times. They just don't need to, especially with that defence as well. So I agree. I, I just can't see him becoming that kind of anything other than a low-end QB1. And like you say, there's potentially, especially with the hype around him, there might be cheaper targets um, mm-hmm. that will probably do the same job and, and last on your team a bit longer. Now, I feel like we have to touch on this team because they are the other team in the division. But to be honest, I couldn't really think of anyone that was particularly that bothered talking about. So I thought I'd hand this over to you, Ali. Mm-hmm. Is there anyone on the New England Patriots that you think is even worth talking about at this point? Well, I thought just being so we had the Zeke signing this week, we should just mention Ramondre Stevenson and the effect it has on him um, because I've seen a lot of back and forth saying that it's going to destroy Ramondre Stevenson for this year. And a lot of people, including myself, that say you really shouldn't fade Ramondre Stevenson because of the Zeke signing. I know they gave him, I think it was $6, $6 billion dollars um, less than what Dalvin Cook got with the Jets. Um, I personally think Zeke is, I'm not going to say he's washed, although I did say that on Twitter today, but I think he's not got much juice left. I think he's still got a role to play. He's clearly still a good pass protector. 
and they may use him on the goal line. But if you look in the stats, Ramondre Stevenson didn't have many goal line carries at all last year anyway. I think it was someone like six. And it, obviously he had a great fantasy finish and didn't need, didn't require that. So personally, I think the effect on Ramondre is, is fairly small. I think it's the Patriots were always going to sign someone to that role. So to get Zeke, who I think hasn't got much left in the tank, um, is actually fairly good for Ramondre. Um, but yeah, I'm just I'm just waiting for that first game where the, the goal line carry goes to Zeke and you just wait for the vultures on Twitter saying, I told you you should have faded Ramondre. But yeah, in terms of Ramondre's ceiling for the season, I don't think it affects it too much. I still think he can easily finish as a top 10 running back. So I would still be drafting him with with confidence. Yeah, I mean, I guess the other thing is this might be an opportunity here. If people are fading, then you could potentially get him cheaper. And then you've mm-hmm. got a bit more of a, you know, a deal in your startups. I would certainly be sniffing around and seeing what the Ramondre Stevenson owner thought in in my current league. And if they're not very happy and they're willing to sell for, you know, cheaper, then maybe it's worth seeing what, you know, what you can, can do to, to get him on your team. Because I agree, I think he's going to be a very valuable fantasy asset for, you know, a number of years to come. So he's worth having on your team if you can get him particularly at a discount. Mm-hmm. Agreed. So we've talked about obviously mainly my picks from from this division and, and the players that I wanted to talk about. But before we move on to the next division, Ali, is there a player that you would like to talk about? There certainly is, and Mags didn't pay me to say this name, but I don't believe it... you. But go on. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be Dalton Kincaid because he has been a lot of the talk of the off season. Obviously, going to the Buffalo Bills and. The hype was pretty out of control and look along keep trade cup today it's it still is is tight end five currently which might even be one spot higher than what i last checked so um yeah it's pretty it's pretty crazy that but um the, the tight end five is is obviously very close to his ceiling i don't think he's a guy that can be up there with with travis kelsey in terms of that top tier in the next year or two but i can i think he can be the next tier down so at tight end five you're looking at pretty much his ceiling um but reports are that he looks great in camp he's been running with the ones um he was he was targeted the other night i think and he's looking great so i think there's an opportunity for Dalton Kincaid um to to catch touchdowns this season to um solidify that tight end 5 ranking i personally don't think it's it's going to fall just because of the the draft stock that he's got the offense that he's in um yeah, I, I really like Don Kincaid. I'm, I'm glad that I've got him in several rookie drafts at the end of the first round because I think his price um, is going to go up in in the future. If he if he catches eight touchdowns this season and and looks great, looks part or integral to that offense. And we talked about how shaky Gabe Davis is. So if Don Kincaid is playing in the slot and taking um, reps away from Gabe Davis and targets away from him, then yeah, he could he could eventually become sort of the the tight end tight end four five six for me in terms of dynasty and sort of in that Dallas Goddard TJ Hawkinson sort of role. Um but yeah how how are you feeling for for Don Kincaid? I know he's obviously Mags's guy. Yeah I I'm not a massive rookie tight end fan um generally in Dynasty because I just don't think they produce too often where we draft them. Now having said that I, if you got him in your rookie draft this season, I think that's actually probably 
pretty good and I would certainly make sure I kept hold of him because I think like you say ultimately I think he probably is going to be in that kind of lower elite tier I suppose as we might call it going forward I just couldn't pull the trigger to draft him in a, in a startup though I just mm. think he is really expensive in a startup I think unless unless you get him in a rookie draft I, I just I just don't see it worth, especially at this point, spending the draft capital on him. For me personally, if I'm going to pay up for him as Titan 5, I'd rather have him already be performing as Titan 5. So I'd rather have someone else hold him for a season and pay that than pay that myself in a startup when he's probably, I mean, he might contribute something, but I'm not convinced he's necessarily going to be the Titan 5 this season. Um, so I'd rather let him sit on someone else's bench and then get him, you know, next off season, <clears throat> mm -hmm. rather than paying up for him in the startup now. Would you agree with that, Ali, or would you would you be willing to pay up for him in the startup at, at this point? No. So I think I've done three, possibly four startups this off season, and stayed stayed well clear of him. To be honest, I've either gone for Kelsey Andrews, or I've faded the position completely and gone for. And then Joku, um, perhaps a day a Waller, someone like that. Um, and yeah, so Don Kincaid falls in the middle of where I'm I'm not touching him. And I agree, his his cost at startup is is far too high. I think, as you mentioned, the rookie draft is is and, and was the time to get him because um yeah, his value is gonna be much higher um in, in startups, as you mentioned. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm really interested to see what he does this season though. You know, I feel like I've been a bit the harbinger of bad news and whenever he, Mags mentions him I'm like nah but uh, you know, ultimately I think he will be good but I just think people are paying a lot of money money a lot of capital for him particularly in startups mm -hmm. now which I just don't think he's going to be able to pay off this season I might be proven wrong but I don't know so shall we move on to the next division the NFC East another pretty exciting division really so let's start with again the current reigning champions the Dallas Cowboys so Tony Pollard obviously is currently the Cowboys RB1 and with the Zeke news we know that he's not going to be coming back and starting to rain on everyone's parade but he is playing on the franchise tag and there is some uncertainty to his future because of that. So what are you doing with Pollard? Currently he's being valued as a running back eight <clears throat> so to me that seems like people don't seem to be actually that concerned about any uncertainty but ultimately after this season we don't know where he's going to be. Yeah, and I can certainly see the concern running back eight for a guy that doesn't have a long-term starting gig certainly is is risky. There's people like him, there's people like Josh Jacobs very much in the same boat right now. I think it's going to become the norm now with the, the dynasty running backs in, in the NFL that they're not going to get long-term contracts. So you are going to have to take risks on guys that are going to produce perhaps for this year and just take the hit and and think, well, I've got an elite runner back this year, but he could be, he could end up a backup next year. It, it really is going to be crazy like that. But personally, I love Tony Pollard. I've got him ranked um, possibly even higher than runner back eight. He could be my runner back seven. I, I need to check, but I've just been drafting him everywhere that I can this season and pretty much just um, looking at people's concern. And he has been dropping in, in startups because of that, um, the fact that he hasn't got a long-term contract. I personally think he, he will end up with a, a contract in Dallas, perhaps 
a two-year deal. So I think he's going to be there for for this year, obviously on the tag, and perhaps one more year, which will be which will be great. And that's all I can ask for and for a running back right now. Um, he was a fourth rounder, we need to remember. So I don't think he's going to be the type that will demand to be like a one of the best paid running backs in the NFL. I think he'll more more than likely take more of a friendlier deal to stay with the team to to keep this offense together. So with running backs, I'm treating them very much now with, with a two-year window. So it's really all I can ask for with with Tony Pollard. Um, my biggest concern is is probably not the the contract. It's actually the workload. I would like to see them perhaps sign someone, one of these aging sort of veterans that will take some of the load off Tony Pollard because we've not seen him for 17, 17 games. So can his body handle it um i think he needs to be sort of the 1a to another running back 1b to to sort of lighten the load so he can be that explosive back that we know tony pollard to be um so that's that's really my biggest concern would be can his body handle it but in terms of tony pollard in dynasty right now um i'm definitely buying but <clears throat> i can certainly see the concern if if you're not fully contending this year then now is the time to get off tony pollard and probably sell at his his peak value at running back eight. So for you, Ali, obviously you're drafting him quite a bit at the moment and you'll have him on multiple teams. <laughs> As we get to kind of the end of the season, what is your plan with him? Are you going to ride him for another year uh, and risk kind of his value dropping potentially towards the end of, let's say, that second contract, you know, if he gets another year next season? Or are you, like you say, kind of wait until the back end of the season. I suppose it depends what kind of teams you've got, but mm -hmm. are you trying to move him while he's still got decent value or are you happy to hold and kind of run it out and, and see what happens over the course of this and next season? Yeah, so it's probably a bit of a cop-out, but it, it would deter be determined by whether my teams are in the playoffs, then I obviously won't look to to move on from Tony Pollard. Um, if they are in the playoffs, I'm, I'm happy just to take to take the hit um there was a team <clears throat> last year where i made an awful trade with kev um i had travis Etienne and i traded him away for um leonard fournette it might it might have been the season before actually when when fournette was sort of a top top seven or eight running back but obviously right now it looks like a terrible trade because fournette is 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 just dust right now and, and obviously etn is still a, a top eight top ten running back in in dynasty but that's the sort of risk I'm willing to take on a, on a contender. You just have to believe in your guys and just hope that Tony Pollard gets you another year or two on this team, um, or hopefully he has an opportunity elsewhere. But um, yeah, I think that's the risk that you have to take. You have you have to obviously be a contender, um, or, or if not, you I would much rather sell um, a year too early. So if if you're looking like you're not going to be a contender, then you have to get off him right now because it's not worth the risk um, of him fading away and becoming a, a Leonard Fournette. Yeah, and obviously his value is pretty high at the moment, you know, RB8. Uh, so <clears throat> I think if, if you think, right, I'm not going to be able to contend this year, like you say, let's get that peak value, move it mm -hmm. into other assets, and then obviously, you know, see what cheaper running backs potentially you can get. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. 
That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. So should we have a look at the New York Giants? So, you know, after last season, people kind of started to call on Darren Waller, really. You know, he's, he had his injuries and the Raiders just really struggled. Um, but he has now got a fresh start on the Giants and everyone anticipates him becoming like the top target on that team, really. And generally over the course of the offseason, his ADP has slowly risen and currently he's the tight end eight. But, you know, we have to be aware that he is 30 now. You know, he's no spring chicken yet anymore. Um, but potentially he's seeing like a, a new lease of life in terms of his potential kind of targets and, you know, I guess fantasy outlook, at least for this season. So what do you think fantasy managers should be looking to do with Waller um, at the moment? Yeah, I'm pretty confident and pretty bullish on on Darren Waller. There's obviously an injury risk with, with Waller. He's not been um, the, in the best health for the last couple of years, but we have seen what he can he can produce in in terms of fantasy. I think he had what the tight end two finish, um, and at thirty years old, I mean that's not that's not really old for a tight end. But he's still what, three years younger than Travis Kelsey. He's still, from what we can see, incredibly athletic. Um, so I think he is a, a cheap ticket to potentially having an elite tight end. So at, at tight end eight, I can't really see his. His value going up just because of um, his his age, but I think he is like I say a cheap ticket. If, where if you don't want to pay pay up for Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey, or um, Carl Pitts and take the risk there, go for Darren Waller because he's much less less cost and he has the potential easily to to finish as the top three tight end this this season. I think I think he's personally easily going to finish as the top five as long as he can stay healthy and. I'm taking the risk because at tight end eight, um, I don't feel like there's that bigger investment to to try and get an elite tight end potentially for the next two to three years. I still think he can produce at that that sort of level. So um, a trade I actually made la- last week, I think it was, where I sold um, George Kittle for uh, Darren Waller and Sky Moore. So that's the sort of move that I'm looking to make is to move down from tight end sort of um, tier two and three to to get into Waller's tier and pick up some extra capital. So um, someone like Pat Frymuth, I can trade him away for um, Darren Waller plus. That's that's the sort of move that I'm trying to make for for Dynasty, especially for competing teams. And would you be happy uh, trying to get Waller on uh, on also a rebuild, or is this mainly a, a contending? kind of plan because by the sounds of it you know you, you have the the feeling that he's going to be a decent tight end for the next few years so could he still be valuable to you on a 
on a rebuild? Yeah, certainly if you're looking at quite a small rebuild or a bit of a retool, I think if you're obviously blowing it up and you're just trying to get loads of picks, I think now is the time to that you can probably cash in and just not have that risk whatsoever of him re-injuring himself this season because if he ends up with a, a fairly decent injury at his age, then his value is going to fall off a cliff. But um, I think if you're not going into a massive rebuild, then why not? I think you're going to get at least two years out of Darren Waller as long as it works out to some extent this year. And I I really think that he can be that top target in yeah, in New York. So, um, yeah, if you're retooling or rebuilding for a year and perhaps you, you want to compete next year, um, yeah, then, then Waller will be fine. Yeah, I mean, I, I do really like Waller. I think, like you say, people are not quite... I think they are sleeping on him a little bit, really. I think because he is older and he's not a Travis Kelsey, they're not really that interested. Now, potentially with him staying on the Raiders, I would probably say I might not still be interested. But I think the fact that he's had a, a fresh start on the Giants, they have a million slot receivers and no one else. You know, he's likely to really like I say, be that top target on the team and could have elite seasons for the next few few years. So I think I think he's an awesome target at the moment. Um, and I think he makes some really great points. So let's chat about the Philadelphia Eagles. This backfield is a little bit of a minefield at the moment and we're hearing all sorts of different stories out of training camp as well. So currently, Swift and Penny are obviously on one-year contracts. Gainwell is in his third year, but he's never really had more than a 23% opportunity share over the past two seasons that he's played. So do you have any interest in any of these running backs in Dynasty? So currently they're going... Uh, Swift as the RB27 in ADP, Penny as the RB42, and Kenneth Gainwell as the RB53. Yeah, so um, I've been an absolute massive fan of, of Rashad Penny all off-season. Um, I've been non-stop talking about his move to Philadelphia. I think it's the one that people aren't talking about. A lot of them, a lot of people are still banging on about DeAndre Swift and the trade that they they pulled off on, on draft night. Um but I do think out of the two, I'd much rather Rashad, Rashad Penny just because of the, the talent that he's got. I think he could, he could potentially just explode on this offense. Um, you've got the Jalen Hurts that isn't going to dump the ball off an absolute ton to the runner back. So I'm not looking for a pass catch and runner back on this Philadelphia Eagles team. So Rashad Penny just ticks all the boxes. A guy that historically averages something like six yards per carry throughout his time in in Seattle and that was with some really pretty bad offensive lines so Penny is the one that I'm going to be targeting reports from camp the last couple of weeks aren't great all I've seen is that Kenny Gainwell is is actually the guy that's been taking all the first team reps the last two weeks which is a bit of a surprise to me um, I think if you go back to the Super Bowl he was actually the running back that produced and and they obviously trusted him um, but it was a bit of a bit of a surprise to see him sit out preseason game one. Um, him and Boston Scott actually sat out that game, whereas Swift and Penny they were in um, going sort of one and two. I think Swift took the first carries and then Penny came in. So it's not. I've not got much Jondre Swift whatsoever. I'm really concerned about him, especially at that ADP. I think a lot of people saw Swift's talent. Um, they've seen how explosive this offense can be in Philadelphia. Put two and two together, but um, 
I don't think it's going to work out for DeAndre Swift here. I think he could be a massive bust at his at his cost. Um, I've even heard from some Eagles beat writers that it's not going to be wouldn't be an absolute massive shock to see Swift or Penny actually like a cut candidate when it comes to cut day. So that is a bit of a concern. But at running back forty, I'm, I'm still all in on Rashad Penny. I think that's a, a price worth worth paying. But if not, with the reports, you have to go with what the beat writers are saying, what um, who's taken snaps with the ones. And, and Kenny Gainwell at running back 53, I think you need a few shares of him this season just in case he is actually the lead guy. Would you be trying to trade for him at this point? You know, I think people are hearing these rumblings about him running with the first team offence. Do you think he might be a bit more expensive now? Or actually, do you think even though potentially could be a bit more expensive... If he ultimately, you know, runs with the ones, his cost is is going to vault, isn't it? Really. So mm-hmm. even if he is slightly more expensive than maybe you could have got him earlier in the off season, do you think it's still worth going in and grabbing him now before he ends up, you know, his his value ends up kind of bursting and and, and growing really quickly? Yeah, what you just said. I think this this week is the week if you're going to go after Kenny Gainwell to to take a risk on him now because again, if we see him set out the next the next game with the starters, then people are going to start putting two and two together. And if he's taken all the, the first team snaps in, in training camp, then they're going to work out that Kenny Gainwell's the guy to get. But I still think now he's going under the radar. So I think he's cheap enough where you can take a fly on Kenny Gainwell. And he's, he's still not going to cost you a lot. I think you probably offer a third round pick and get him um, right now. And it's probably, probably worth it to get someone that could potentially be um, a, a lead guy on this team. So let's move on to the Washington Commanders now. I think one of the talks of the off-season for this team and something that has been under much debate um, on the Commanders is obviously their current starting quarterback, Sam Howell. He's an unproven fifth-round pick who, you know, if he's good, could potentially have some great upside. But we actually just don't know what he's going to be like in the NFL. Obviously, we saw him for one game last season. Doesn't really tell us a lot. So, Ali, do you believe in Sam Howell? Are you a buyer or are you a seller? Yeah, so um, I, I done a, went on to Dynasty Planet earlier this week and just looked at who my most owned quarterbacks were and surprisingly, I think six of the, the seven were all Konami code quarterbacks. So, I'm definitely buying Sam Howell just because of that that cost of only ADP of quarterback was it quarterback thirty that that is a price where I am intrigued because I just think you're going to have Sam Howell as your your quarterback three on your dynasty teams and that's someone where I, I want to hit the ceiling. You're only really going to be starting your quarterback three in in two games of the season, so I want a guy that I can have on my bench that is going to pop off. And it's going to get trade inquiries flying into my inbox. And Sam Howell, I think, is a guy that can potentially pop off and at least beat his ADP and, and really doesn't have to do too much. I think as long as Sam Howell limits mistakes and just doesn't look terrible, then I think they're going to keep him in at quarterback because I think he gives them the best chance of winning. I think you've obviously got Jahan Dotson and Terry McLaurin, two really good wide receivers. Then you've now got Eric Bieniemy, a great offensive coordinator. We, I'm excited to see what happens with with that this season. So, at quarterback thirty, I think I'm just I'm buying just because of the price. If it was quarterback twenty four, I think 
you'd have to pump the brakes a bit. But at quarterback 30, um, yeah, I'm buying because I'm a quarterback three. I'd rather have someone like a Sam Howell that can pop off and I can potentially trade him away for profit um, rather than a, a Ridder or a Mac Jones, someone that's just going to plod along and give you 15 points a week and just not not ever really pop off and, and win you championships. No one wants to trade for him. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm worth, I think it's worth taking the risk on Sam Howell. And I think you have to do it now because if he, if he starts to the season really well, then I think his his ADP is going to shoot up because obviously he has that Konami code rushing. So are you buying to sell, Ali, or might you keep some of your shares if he does pop off? I think we've, I'm probably buying to sell with, with Sam Howell. I don't think personally it's a long-term investment, but I do think um, with Sam Howell, I think this commander's team is pretty, pretty sneaky good where I think they're going to probably win enough games where they're not going to be picking top 10 next season. So um, they probably aren't going to be going for a quarterback, but in the future, they probably, Sam Howell's probably not the guy. So I would be definitely buying to to sell in the future. Yeah, yeah. And I think you make some great points. I have been out on Howell um, for most of the off-season. But to be fair, like you say, ultimately, he's the starter. The week one game is with Arizona. So he's going to look good. You know, <laughs> and worst case scenario, you can sell him at that point, you know, and probably make some sort of profit. And it doesn't even have to be a big profit, does it? You know, you buy him mm-hmm. for really cheap and you just sell him for, you know, an extra asset and you've won, you know, ultimately. Um, so, yeah, I think you make a great point And maybe I need to uh, be drafting a little bit more Sam Howell so that I can sell him a bit later on when he's had his great game against Arizona. So, Ali, before we move on to the NFC South, um, which is the player that you would like to discuss from this division? Yes, there was plenty that I could have picked, but I've gone for um, Devonta Smith. So I just wanted to ask you a question, really, and just want to see how much of a gap you have between, obviously, AJ Brown, who is the wide receiver one, and people have him ranked, obviously, higher than Devonta Smith. How much of a gap is there between AJ Brown and Devonta Smith for you? Because... Um, the gap is certainly closing for me. I think I've got AJ Brown as wide receiver four off the top of my head and Devonta Smith as wide receiver 10. So six spots between them. Um, but if you were to watch the, the back end of last season, you would really think that they were pretty much neck and neck because Devonta Smith was holding his own and, and pretty much producing exactly the same as what AJ Brown was. So um, how much of a gap is there for you? So currently for me, I would say that there is like a a small tier between AJ Brown and Devonta Smith. Um, I think we might have actually discussed this a little bit on the Podathon, um, Ali, a a few months ago. Um, The Fantasy Wildcard Podathon, if anybody missed it, feel free to go back and have a listen. Um, You know, when we were saying, should, you know, based on kind of their performances at the end of last season. Should we be maybe thinking of stepping back, you know, selling AJ Brown, stepping down, getting some assets and actually getting Devonta Smith, who potentially could have very similar fantasy performances to AJ Brown. We've seen it already. Or do we want to keep hold of AJ Brown, you know, and have that more expensive asset who may not necessarily outperform his teammate? For me, I just think that AJ Brown probably is going to be more reliable than Devonta Smith, ultimately. 
Um, you know, I, I think he is the top target on the offense. And I think if they have, um, you know, last season they were pretty explosive in terms of, you know, they're scoring lots of points. Um, and that meant that both of them could do pretty well most weeks. But I think probably more likely if they have a quieter week, AJ Brown's probably more likely to still get you know, reasonable number of targets and, and touchdowns versus Devon Smith. Now, we did see a few games last season where it was reversed. Devon Smith scored really highly and AJ Brown didn't so much. But I think on the whole, I think AJ Brown probably is more reliable. And I do think he is more talented than Devon Smith. Not that I don't think Devon Smith is not talented. He certainly is. They've got two great wide receivers there. But I think AJ Brown still is kind of two tiers above even though the tiers are relatively small up there you know it's not like it, there's a massive gap so I guess in terms of what would I do if it was my team and I think it would depend on what kind of team I've got if I've got a contender I think I probably would stick with AJ Brown because I think he's more likely to give me that consistency if I've got either a retooler or something like that then I might step down to to Devonta Smith and then also pick up an asset um, from there because like you say I think he certainly will have some really great weeks and I think he'll be a good asset to have on your team and he's young so he's someone you can still build around but you're getting extra assets as well so I think that's probably where I would stand at the moment is that something you'd agree with Ali or have you got a different kind of opinion there yeah um 100% exactly the same um in terms of in terms of startups I tend to um just look past AJ Brown I'm not not 100% sure why. Perhaps it's because I do really rate Devonta Smith so high. So I, when I pick a wide receiver early, I like to have like a, a Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase where he's clearly the number one. Um, and last year just gave me a bit of pause for thought. Um, so I, I've tend to tend to um, sort of skip past AJ Brown, gone for another wide receiver and then picked up Devonta Smith as my wide receiver too. So perhaps sort of Garrett Wilson and Devonta Smith one and two um, rather than AJ Brown and someone else. Um, but yeah, the, the gap is wide, is closing closing up, but um, there's definitely at least one or two tiers between them. Um, and yeah, I think you're spot on. If, you, if you're competing, you want AJ Brown. If not, um, I think that's a great move to make is to trade down and pick up some some good assets. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, by the end of next offseason, we might be saying something completely different. You know, Devon Smith might have closed the gap even more. Be interesting mm -hmm. to see. So before we finish, let's let's have a look at, at your uh, division that you follow closely, Ali. Let's look at the NFC South. And obviously, we uh, have to start with the current reigning champions by some kind of miracle. <laughs> and that is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, you know, for me, the, the actual most interesting asset for me at the moment is, is Mike Evans on that team because we know he has been a consistent fantasy asset for many years. But obviously, at this point, he is getting up there a little bit. He's 29 now. And Tom Brady has recently been replaced by some sort of combination of Baker Mayfield and Carl Trask. So, you know, I think, again, historically, there's been a lot of recommendation for him to be a great target on a contender. You know, he's quite cheap because nobody who's real building, rebuilding particularly wants him because he's older. Um, but do you think potentially that may now have changed? You know, do you think he's going to still put up another 1,000-yard season this season? Season, or do you think that potentially we're starting to see kind of that cliff approach and we should be looking to try and, and get out while we can? Um, well, I mean, I'd be silly to come on here and start slating Mike Evans because 
he's been my guy since he entered the league. He's he's my favourite player in the NFL by a mile. So, but try not to put too much of a biased hat on myself. I I still think that he can have a decent role on on a contender. Um, I know obviously we've not got Tom Brady anymore. Um, Baker Mayfield has looked the last couple of weeks. He's looked much better and. He seems to be more confident in the offense. I think he's picking the playbook up a lot better. And Mike Evans, I know there's so many players around the league that say this, but he actually looks and he's commented and the coaches have commented that Mike Evans looks in the shape of his life right now. He's He looks faster and he looks to be the number one target. Um, yeah, I think having Chris, Chris Godwin back healthy for this year is only going to help Mike Evans in just... Obviously, Mike Evans gets double teamed regardless, but um, takes a little bit of the flack off of Mike Evans. I just think that what was he wide receiver forty? I think that's just a great value. Where I think even if this offense doesn't click and doesn't look amazing, he's still going to get seven to ten touchdowns in a seventeen game season. I think he's nailed on for a thousand yards. Um, I think at wide receiver forty, if you're if you're competing. Um, I'll happily chuck out a second round pick, a future second to get Mike Evans to have as my my flex for someone that can can win you a week. I think he won people championships. What was it last last year with the the three touchdowns against Carolina game was was incredible, and that's the sort of game that he he can still give you. And I think even with Baker Mayfield or or Kyle Trask, they'll give you that as well. I think he's still going to have the the touchdown ceiling. So. Not too many concerns with Mike Evans. Obviously, if you're not a contender, you need to be selling him either. Probably not now because there's just no hype about the Buccaneers offense whatsoever. People just think Tom Brady's gone. Baker Mayfield's bad. Um, but this offense is going to look even worse. But for long periods, the, the Buccaneers offense last year was absolutely tragic. The, the play calling was horrendous. The offensive line was terrible. Um there's actually reason to believe that this this offense could, with with new play call and we've got a new O line, um, we've got obviously Godwin back healthy, um, Rashad White is looking good. This offense could be slightly improved on last year. There's there's no reason why it can't be. So um, I think if you're going to sell him, probably don't sell him now. Wait for in season for him to have a decent game and then target one of the competitors um, and probably sell him there where you probably get something more than what you would right now. So there you are, everyone. The books fan is telling you that Mike Evans is fantastic and you need to go out and buy him. So take that as you wish. <laughs> no, no, I do think you make a good point. I, I personally have felt a bit nervous about him this off-season, but, you know, maybe, like you say, we're kind of panicking for no reason. And, you know, he, he hasn't always had the best quarterback play. You know, until Tom Brady arrived, it, you know, he didn't, have the best quarterbacks, you know, throwing the ball to him, and he still managed to get a thousand yards every every season. So, like you say, a contender, what have you got to lose? A second round mm-hmm. pick, you know, and if it means that his three touchdown game wins you the Scott Fish Bowl, like it did for some guy, then you know it's it's worth worth taking a punt, isn't it? Exactly. On him, I think you do make a, f- a fair point, and you can probably get him really cheap at the moment as well. Mm-hmm. You might not even have to give up a second round pick, you know. Someone might take a third for him just to get him off off their team because I think people are really low on him um, at this point, unless they're a Bucks, pa- Bucks fan. 
So I'm sure, Ali, you won't be selling him cheap, but some people I think certainly will. So let's have a quick look at uh, the rest of this division. I'm sure you're looking forward to chatting through some other rivals, Ali, but let's look at the New Orleans Saints. And obviously we know that when Michael Thomas has historically been healthy, he's been an absolute fantasy stud. But the issue we've had is that he's barely played over the past two seasons. We've literally barely, barely seen him. So his current ADP is wide receiver 51. So Ali, are you taking a chance on him at this ADP? Or do you think he's probably washed and, and you're kind of staying well away? Yeah, there's absolutely zero chance that I'll be um, buying into Michael Thomas. Um, even with reports that he looks healthy, he's on the field, he's being targeted by Derek Carr. I'm personally staying away. I think his ADP could even creep up slightly higher because we've seen how dominant Michael Thomas can be in that that role in the Saints' offense. Um, yeah, I'm just going to this. I think this is personally the last chance you've got to sell Michael Thomas. I think what he's 31, something like that. And um, if he is healthy, if he's if he's going to be playing a few games this year, I think yeah, this is your last chance to to get out and, and sell Michael Thomas. For something like, I think you can probably talk someone into probably not a second round pick. I'd take a third round pick for him right now because he's he's been a guy that he's been absolutely nowhere the last two seasons. I think the only way that I will be, um, I mean, having Michael Thomas on my team is is if I've ha- I've rode out the last two years with with Michael Thomas on on IR on my bench, and nobody's been wanting to buy Michael Thomas. I just think, yeah, your last chance to get out is right now. I can't see him coming back and returning anything more than a wide receiver four numbers. So, I mean, there's not much ceiling there. I really like Chris Alave. I think this is Chris Alave's offense. Um, There seems to be the great connection with with Derek Carr, with Alave. So um, that's the guy that I'm buying into and still buying into what is sort of wide receiver seven ADP. Um, And Michael Thomas is the guy that I'm going to fade. I don't want anything to do with him. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those where if you still kind of love Michael Thomas and think he is, you know, a fantastic wide receiver, then sure, pay a third round pick if you really want want him. Obviously, the risk you have is that ultimately you're not going to get anything back from him. You know, by the end of the season, he will be worth, mm-hmm. worth nothing if he doesn't do anything. But if you're still a Michael Thomas believer then and you want to give up a third round pick, then why not? I am same as you, Ali. I haven't really been targeting anyway, uh, anywhere, dynasty or not. I, I just, I don't, I, I, I'm not convinced that he's going to be able to stay healthy. Like he's not proven that he's been able to so far. So what makes this season any different? So just quickly looking at the last two teams before we, we wrap up. So the Carolina Panthers, obviously Bryce Young has been hailed as the saviour um, of all of their kind of quarterback woes that they've had over the past few seasons. But what do you think of his current uh, value at the moment, Ali? Uh, are you liking it? Is he someone that you're taking? Uh, yeah, I, I really like Bryce Young. I think eventually he can produce top top 12 numbers. Obviously, you're, you're having to take him around about there now. And personally, I don't expect much in year one. I think he's got a mediocre support cast. I'm sorry, Kev, I, I, the weapons aren't great in, in Carolina. I think the good thing going for them is their defense is really good and they've got a really good O-line on paper. And it didn't didn't look great the other night trying to protect him. And he did look really shaky um, against the, the New York Jets. But um, yeah, I think personally that the Panthers could 
challenge for the, the division title this year. I think Bryce Young will be sort of a game manager, try and limit mistakes. Um, and personally, I think you could see a, a slight dip in value uh, come in season. So that would open up a nice buy window for me. I think Bryce Young is a guy that, a bit like a Dak Prescott, could probably sit at the, the back end of sort of quarterback quarterback one territory for, for a lot of his career. I, I think they're going to upgrade on the weapons come next season. So, um, yeah, I think now is the time to, um, sorry, not now, if, if he struggles the start of the season, which I expect him, I don't, really don't expect him to come out and throw three or four touchdowns week one, week two. Um, I think it's going to be a slow start. They're going to use the run game and, and defense. Um, and there could be an, a, a buy window open up, which which is probably where I'd be buying him. But um, his ranking right now is fair. Um, and I've got him ranked exactly there. Yeah, I mean, he's another one where I probably like, I'm happy to have taken him in my rookie drafts, but at startups in this off season, I'm probably less bothered about taking him. Um, you know, maybe next season that might change. But you know, if I've got him from rookie drafts, great. If not, then I'm probably he's not someone I'm targeting in startups at the moment. Um, but could well change come come next off season. I can't imagine his ADP rising too ridiculously, mm. just because of the way that you know his play style. He's not an Anthony Rich- Richardson where you know he could pop off and be. The, the, potentially the QB one, you know, ultimately that's not going to be the case. So I think, you know, if you don't buy him in startups this off season, I don't think you're missing anything by waiting for that, you know, till next season. So let's have a quick look at the Atlanta Falcons. So, I mean, the guy that I'm interested in talking about is, is Kyle Pitts. You know, when he came out, everyone was clamoring over each other to draft him. Um, you know, they were like, he's the next coming of God. We need him on our fantasy teams. <laughs> Unfortunately, he never has quite managed to live up to that hype and the ADP over the past couple of seasons. You know, he did finish as a tight end five in his first season and then the tight end 31 last season. But obviously, I know he was injured. His overall ADP has actually gradually reduced um, and he's now currently going around pick 38, despite his tight end ADP remaining as the tight end three. So I guess my question to you, Ali, is do you think he will ever perform to the ADP and the talent that we know he actually has? Um, And is actually now he a bargain rather than being the expense that he was over the past kind of couple of seasons? Um, Yeah, so with Carl Pitts, I think... I wouldn't I wouldn't call him a bargain just yet. I think his ADP would need to continue to to fall to a point where his talent and the the risk uh, the reward out, outweighs the risk. Um but it is certainly becoming tempting. I think tight end 3 is is certainly fair for the position that he's in. Obviously showed that 1000-yard season in his, in his rookie year. Um couple of touchdowns that I think he scored. Um would like to see seen a bit more in in the end zone of of Carl Pitts, but I just think not much is going to change with Carl Pitts, certainly this year. I think in order to for him to reach his ceiling, I think this offense would need to change. I think Arthur Smith would need to get out of town. I think you need someone else in there that's going to be more aggressive to to suit his his play style. Um, and then they've just drafted, obviously, B. John Robinson, at what, pick eight in, in the NFL draft. The scheme already was, was incredibly run heavy. Now you add... BJ Robinson to that, who's going to catch a ton of passes because he's great at it. Um, yeah, I just don't think we're going to see the ceiling from from Kyle Pitts this year. So I, I do think it's going to be really interesting what what happens to his ADP come next off season. Is it going to fall? Is he going to fall behind TJ Hawkinson if he has a good year? Um, God forbid if Dalton Kincaid 
um, breaks the mold of being, you know, um, rookie Titans don't do anything year one. But if he if he catches eight touchdowns, is he going to fall behind him? Um, I think it's really interesting to see what happens at tight end three. Um, I'm probably not buying, and in in startups, I'm still probably avoiding him unless it's probably a tight end premium where I do really want one of the the top three or four um, tight ends. But um, once he gets past Kelsey and Andrews in terms of um, non-tight end, I tend to fade the, the tight end position completely and go for sort of a fringe tight end one and take a couple of stabs there. So I think he'll do enough this year to remain top four, top five at very worst. Um, but I can't see him leapfrogging. Can't see him leapfrogging Mark Andrews. Um, obviously, whatever happens with with Kelsey come next offseason, he'll be 34 years old. Um, perhaps he'll leapfrog him just because of age. But um, I'm still not buying right now. But perhaps perhaps if he continues to struggle, um, perhaps it will open up opportunity to, to buy him in season at um, a much reduced cost because you're still probably paying quite a hefty fee for him if you were to trade for him right now. Yeah, I think that's a great point, Ali. You know, I think ultimately in the offence that he's in, he probably isn't going to be able to produce what we want him to do. So again, I think people are going to start to get a bit more disillusioned and you might actually find that his his price continues to drop and, you know, it gets to a, an area of the draft where you, you feel more comfortable that you could potentially take him. So before we kind of finish up, Ali, um, who is the guy that you want to talk about from this division? Well, surprisingly enough, I've picked... Uh a Buccaneer and I've gone for Richard White and um, I'm just interested to see what your views are on Richard White because um, personally I just think he's in line to um, smash pretty much via default this year because he's clear number one on on the offense I think he showed that he can catch a, a ton of passes last year even with um, Leonard Fournette in the lineup um, so I think he's going to be a bit like a Najee Harris where he's going to get so much volume that He's going to be a top, say, 16, 18 running back just because, just based on volume, especially in PPR leagues. Um, and, and where you're drafting him at, what, running back 24 roundabout there, I think he's going to return some value. So um, what are your thoughts on, on Rashad White? Um, you know, I, I did a little bit of digging into him this offseason. And obviously, again, I think, We've heard this a lot from lots of other people. It's been discussed many times, but, you know, neither him or Fortnite were particularly um, effective in this offence last season as runners. You know, both of them had very poor numbers. Now, like we said earlier, Ali, that O-line was really terrible. So I think that probably does have a factor into it. But he, it does make me a little bit nervous about his efficiency and whether ultimately in the long term he is suitable as a three down back. Like you say, this season, I actually think he um, is, you know, because he's going to get the volume and he is going to easily outperform his ADP. But I do have questions about him longer term. I think he's a great passing back, you know, and I think he certainly will have some value there in the longer term. But I think, you know, ultimately, I can't see him being a workhorse for many more seasons. I think they're going to ride him this season because ultimately they're kind of figuring out you know what are they what are they going to be this season you know and then once the season finishes and they find out where they end up and you know whether they can get a QB x y and z then ultimately they'll probably start to look at bring bringing some others in whether that's through the draft or some other veterans so I I think I would probably I, I would probably be buying him at his ADP 
this off season with the idea of selling him, you know, in season, later season, where I think ultimately his peak value is going to be. Because as soon as this season is over, I don't believe that he will have this backfield to himself anymore. I think someone's going to come in and that's going to ruin his value. So, as I said, I think he certainly has some fancy relevance in the longer term, but nowhere near what we expect he's going to have this season. 100% the, the way that I would be playing it as well, as in the opportunity that he's got now, I think he's going to um, smash his ADP and, and outproduce it, where you can then flip him next season for perhaps a, a first-round pick in, in season, uh, maybe a future first or a couple of seconds, where um, yeah, you'll you'll make profit on on what you paid for him. So um, that'd hundred percent be the aim. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, and you never know; he might actually prove us wrong and and show that he can be a workhorse. But I'm I'm not wholly convinced, to be honest. So really quickly, Ali, thank you so much for your time. And we, you know, we've we've been talking for well over an hour, so I really appreciate it. But we always do this with every show, and I can't quite leave without doing it. So every show we have a, a question. So we ask our previous guests to put put forward a question to you, Ali, and then we'll ask you to give the, give you um, our question for our next guest. So our previous guest was Scott Barrett. He is the CEO of fancy points at scott barrett dfb on on x um and he posed the following question to you ali who was your favorite childhood player and do you think he is or would be good now in the current and modern nfl okay so my my favorite player um sort of growing up that all my first watchings of, of nfl then really thinking my god that guy is a master would be uh, Peyton, Peyton Manning would be the guy that I absolutely love. Just the way that he could dice up a play, read the defence long before the defence even knew what the offence was going to do. And he was an absolute master. So um, he's the guy that I absolutely loved watching, no matter what team he was, he was on, some of the calls that he would make, uh, the audible. He was he was an absolute master, one of the best quarterbacks of all time. Um, so could he, could he play now? I think 100% he could still read defences like the back of their hand. Um, I think that would be really exciting to watch. Obviously, towards the end of his career, he completely lost all ability to throw the ball more than 10 yards. So um, there'd probably have to be 100% dump-offs right now. But um, it would be fun to, fun to see him play. And I mean, if it was peak Peyton Manning right now in terms of fantasy on a, on a def decent offence, that is a, a really scary prospect. So that would be my guy. Yeah, great pick. I love it, Ali. So, Ali, do, do you have a question for our next guest? Yeah, so this is uh, not actually fantasy related, but I have asked this to a, to a few people. So it'd be, if your NFL team you support right now, for whatever reason, goes bust, they get shut down or is no longer in the NFL, which NFL team would you then choose to support? I love it. I really like that question. It made me think, well, who would I choose? And uh, I think there's a few options. I'd have to I'd have to think about it for some time. I'm like, I'm not picking a terrible franchise again like I have in the past. I need to pick a good one. <laughs> um, so just quickly before we go, Ali, please let everyone know where they can find you um, and your work um, so that they can head over and, and hear more of, of what you've got to say. Yeah, so thanks for having me on, Hannah. You can follow me on X, I suppose, at ff dynasty grill um and yeah listen to the the wildcard dynasty show that comes out um i think is dropping uh tonight actually the the podcast and the video is dropping on wednesdays um absolutely loved our 
flag plant show uh, this week and uh, this week coming is our unplant so that should be a, a really fun show um, and then finally I've finally started writing again so um, you can start to see some of my articles come out on King Fantasy Sports so um, yeah that's pretty pretty exciting and uh, very much long overdue. Yeah, really looking forward to reading those, Ali. And I certainly think by the end of this week, you'll be fed up of talking to me too. But uh, <laughs> thank you so, so much for coming on. It's, it's been a great discussion. I've really enjoyed hearing kind of your thoughts and your opinions and also some of the great advice that you've, you've given us for our Dynasty Leagues. So thank you to everyone else who's joined us this evening. Um, that's the end of our show tonight. Um, and we hope to see you again next week when we've got some more division uh, discussions to have with our next guest so before um i leave you don't forget everyone keep rushing hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter that's why i teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create pretty litter its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.